So I don't know if you saw this video going around this week. This father is uh, putting his daughter's hair in a ponytail in a very unconventional way. He's using a vacuum cleaner, specifically the hose attachment. He's sucking her hair into the hose attachment of a vacuum cleaner. And the best part is he has a rubber band, a hair band, already on the hose attachment. So once all the hair is sucked in, he just pops it off, pulls off the hose, and and boom, ponytail. Ponytail in a matter of seconds. We wanted to try this out, so uh, our producer Blythe has volunteered her head and hair. Yeah, we're here with the big uh, industrial vacuum cleaner we got from the radio station. Blythe, are you ready to go? I'm not particular about my hair, but this could be disastrous. So you're standing next to a shop vac, Mm -hmm. which has a hose and that little attachment where your hair is about to be sucked into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think this is? Do you think this is going to suck? Oh. Okay, Miles uh, is standing by. Miles, turn on the vacuum cleaner. Yep. Can you start slowly though? <laughs> you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I'm not gonna... okay. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not that bad unless so, you didn't start. I just did a little bit. Okay, he, it's he fine. He really he had like I, one I, one strand of hair in there. But it it was that's comforting. I mostly was vacuuming your sweater. <laughs> I felt that. Okay. I felt that. Here we go. It's okay so far. <laughs> it just feels really weird. You almost have too much hair for this nozzle, so I'm afraid I don't know if I can get all of it in here. And there. <laughs> oh my God, you look beautiful. It looks pretty good. It looks like a like a ponytail with bangs coming out. Yeah. The side. I think this was actually what I had requested at my senior prom. Yeah, yeah I wanted a lot the of like. I yeah. wanted a lot of tendrils, and what? I yeah, that's what this is. Turn turn around. Let's see. But I, most of your hair is in a pretty good ponytail. Yeah, it's. I think we call this the Blythe. <laughs> did did it did it hurt at any point? You know, it it didn't. Although I will say, um, when I requested the vacuum, uh, he said the last person who used it tried to uh, vacuum up some weird liquid. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm now wondering, like, what what yeah. the repercussions of this are? Maybe that weird liquid was moose mm-hmm. or or bleach. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to keep your milk fresh. And we'll tell you how to keep everyone happy at your uh, inauguration luncheon. But first... Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. That is, of course, Lance Armstrong on Thursday night confessing his years of doping to Oprah Winfrey. So the question uh, that remains is, what do we do with all those Livestrong bracelets that we have? Online with us now is Thorin Klazowski from the blog Lifehacker. So, Thorin, any ideas? Um, you know, the first thing that actually came to my mind was to just get rid of the V. And can you just keep on wearing it as a lie strong bracelet right. to show your show your appreciation um, for actually useful things? <laughs> I think the best thing um, I mean you can kind of use it just like you would a big rubber band. So uh-huh. opening up a stuck jar, oh. you know, wrap it around yeah. the, uh, the the lid gives you a grip and you're good to go. That's good, yeah. And you can mark your drink at the bar if you if you're out drinking and everyone's got the same drink. You're like, you know, I I don't know which one's mine. Wrap around the Livestrong bracelet, and you're good to go. You could use it as a like a smartphone 
grip wrap thing. Oh, yeah, like the bumpers that you had to put on the, the last generation of iPhones. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that they probably still work just fine for that. Just cut a couple holes and you're good to go. That's good. Yeah, I, I, the jar trick definitely works. I've tried it with one of those, and it works better than anything else I've tried, actually. And I'm a weakling, so it works out great. Well, that's just it, isn't it? Like, if you were taking steroids, you wouldn't need to use a Livestrong bracelet to open any jars. <laughs> All right. Well, Thorin, this is great. Uh, hopefully, we're going to try this out, and uh, we'll have some use for those Livestrong bracelets. Cool. One of the worst things you you can encounter inside your refrigerator is uh, spoiled milk. It's happened probably to everybody. Yeah. But we have a solution. On the line with us now is Albert Lebedev. He's a researcher at Moscow State University. So, Albert, we understand there's this old wives' tale in Russia about uh, how to keep your milk fresh. Well, uh, I would say this is more uh, Finnish style. And in Finnish uh, culture, they keep frogs in milk to keep the milk uh, you, uh, good. Now, you, you said they keep frogs, frogs in their milk in frogs. Finland. For Russia, it is not uh, a custom, but we used to have a knowledge that if you have a frog in your well, it means that this water is acceptable for consumption. That seems like, to me, that seems like a reason not to drink the water or the milk if I found a frog <laughs> in it. Well, it's up to you. But anyway. <laughs> well, so why, why did they put frogs in their milk? What's going on there? didn't do it intentionally. Simply, if uh, they saw a frog, it means that <laughs> you could drink this water. So uh, now I can tell you absolutely definitely that the reason is uh, secretion of some peptides. Because frogs, uh, 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 those animals, they don't have uh, uh, claws or nails, and but they have to fight uh, predators. They have to fight uh, microorganisms, and the only weapon they have is this secretion. Mm -hmm. So they secrete peptides, and those peptides are absolutely fantastic compounds because it can be, let's say, antibacterial, okay. antifungal, wow. anti-tumor, antiviral. It can be analgetic, and so on and so forth. So really, it's wonderful. Uh, protection of frogs. So let's suppose that you have this frog in your milk and it secretes the uh, peptides which are responsible uh, for killing uh, germs, microbes. Right. So uh, that's why they keep uh, milk uh, as it was at the beginning for a couple of days. Well, Albert, shouldn't I just put this, I mean, couldn't I just put this frog in my mouth and just keep it there? I think it's a bit rustless, I would say. Uh, the activity of these peptides is enormous, so it's a not good idea. Yeah. Uh, however, if you do some sort of dilution, I think it, it's fine. Well, if you, well, what particular <laughs> intention do you have when you are going to put it in your mouth? Well, it would seem like if, if these frogs with all these you know, various peptides that are fighting things, antibacterial, antifungal, why aren't we putting frogs in all of our food? But sometimes you don't need to kill anybody. <laughs> I guess why? that's true. So uh, would, it, I mean, would it be a good idea 
for me to uh, grab a frog and, and leave him in, you know, my gallon of milk? I think you have enough preservatives and conservants in your milk nowadays. Right. So you don't need to use something like that. And in fact, this will be the uh, drugs, the pharmaceuticals of the next generation, because those peptides can beat all the diseases, in fact. And uh, what is very important, uh, the germs cannot be uh, uh, adjusted, accustomed to this peptide. It's not just uh, normal pharmaceutical. Uh, so peptides are very, very interesting as potential uh, drugs for future medicine. Yeah, all, all the things you mentioned, you know, antibacterial, antifungal, anti-tumor, I think you said. Right, right, right. I, it, is there anything? else like this in in nature that uh, is a cure for that many things? Frankly speaking, yes, this cocktail is something very extraordinary because, uh, uh, as I mentioned, this is the only weapon. So, uh, really, if you disturb the frog, it tries to secrete as much as possible for, to well, to protect. Even, for example, if a, a bird takes a frog, uh, frog secretes a special peptide which causes vomit reflex in the bird, and it, can, it, it cannot swallow the frog. Wow. So a lot of interesting things. Yeah. Well, Albert, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. On Monday, President Obama gets sworn in for his second term. Uh, weird fact, he will tie the record for most times being sworn in. With, that's four, With, tying FDR. Yeah, because FDR, of course, had four terms. And Obama, they messed it up last time, so they had to do it twice. And this time, uh, Inauguration Day falls on a Sunday, and then they'll do it again on Monday. So if you're still listening, uh, there are a ton of events that happen around the inauguration, one of which is a bipartisan lunch. And uh, there are rules governing this lunch. Online with us now is Carol Ross Joints of Washingtonian Magazine. So, Carol, what are the rules governing this luncheon? Well, first of all, the caterer who is chosen, and actually it's a company called Design Cuisine, and this will be their fifth or sixth year doing it. But they have to prepare the lunch, serve it, and get everybody out in ideally an hour but under 90 minutes. So, you know, time is everything. Interestingly, at Clinton's second inauguration, the luncheon went on for more than two hours because he liked social life so much. Yeah. He was so busy talking and enjoying himself. So the parade was hugely delayed. And is it is it like a, a wedding where the guests of honor really don't get to eat and they just have to sort of glad hand with, with people? That's a perfect comparison. And um, I would imagine the president eats something before all this hoo-ha begins on that day. So he's probably already had uh, like a cheeseburger before the whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> Well, whether it's a cheeseburger, I don't know, but he is known to love a cheeseburger. Yeah. So. What does everybody else eat? Well, there's, they, have a, they have a special menu they've created, and they, they're very proud of saying that it is American but not political. And what, what it really comes down to, though, is that whoever is the chairman of the joint committee, and this year it's New York Senator Chuck Schumer, 
all the perks go to New York. So now you say it has to be American, but not political. What does that mean, political? How can food be... What they mean by political is it means that every food conglomerate lobby that we have can't come beating on the door saying, we want this food on the menu and that food on the menu. Uh So I will argue it did get a little bit political in terms of the District of Columbia because the, the head of D.C. Water created, uh, uh, you know, a noise when it was announced that the water being served would be from New York. And he lobbied hard, and he won. And now the still water, if you're a guest at the luncheon and you ask for still water, you will get D.C. tap water. And if you ask for sparkling water, you will get New York's Saratoga Springs water. Wow. So your water decision could, like, carry political weight The or... water decision ended up being political after all. Wow. That is crazy. D.C.'s very sensitive about its water because they've, they've invested an enormous amount of money in trying to make it drinkable. <laughs> is it? Is it pretty good? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't know. I mean, it's... No. I mean, it's okay. Carol, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Well, I've enjoyed it a lot. You guys take care. So we uh, we heard from Tom, who says he listens to our podcast while he's in the shower. Oh, that's great, Tom. Tom, these next 15 seconds are for you. That's clean. That's clean music right there. You get all the spots. So our producer, Blythe, you heard from her earlier in the show. Uh, she now has a ponytail. We've sent her out into the field. She's on a mission to investigate one of our uh, submissions for Toilet of the Week. We don't know much about it. We can tell you she's somewhere in Indiana driving somewhere. So if you're playing the game Where in the World is Blythe Haga, uh, the answer is Indiana. And we'll have the toilet next week. We got a note from Katie. She says, I'm a graduate student living in a dorm. I need to set up my wireless router I'd love for it to have a unique name. We, we can help with that. Uh, Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live in Portlandia. Do you have any ideas? Uh, school administ- school admin, like, so, you know, like, say, school admin, period. Yeah. This way it looks like they'll never know it's her. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. it'll look so boring and so, like, well, yeah. that's obviously. That's if, if she wants secrecy. Yeah, I, I don't secure. know if that's her deal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's secure because it's just, like, well, we don't want to have anything to but that might not be what she's looking for. It sounds to me like she actually wants it to look sound kind of cool. I think right. she wants to express herself through the name of this wireless router. Uh, I would say, how about CBS Fan Yeah, 2011? Yeah, that sounds good. So that, they'd be like, yeah. who is this person who loves CBS <laughs> and why 2011? Yeah, okay. A college uh, student who loves CBS. He loves CBS. What a great network. And she's just like an open, <laughs> open fan. I will say that in in our building, there's one that comes up uh, called Cat Party, and whenever people come over and they need to get on our wireless, um, they're like, "Oh, we assume you're Cat Party, Ian." No, nope. well, that's not us. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: if she's looking for a true, if if she wrote, did she know that she was writing to me or any expert? Um, she, yeah, just any expert. If it's me and she, and she really does want something, I would say. And this is a real one. Fred's best friend. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Fred's best friend is one word. That's nice. Maybe right. maybe she'll take that one. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that 
I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if you could keep different things fresh by just putting different animals in them. I think you have to weigh uh, the surprise of finding the animal in your food versus the freshness factor. Like, for example, if you're going to have like a bowl of Cap'n Crunch, because yep. that stuff goes soggy right away. But what if you put a cat in it? Yeah, Cap'n Crunch. I, I like the idea of reusing these uh, the yellow Live Strong bracelets. I think it would it would also make a nice belt for a cat. A cat belt. Yeah. What's the cat uh, keeping up? Is it wearing some cat pants? Like, well, the cat's wearing a night shirt. But that's a weird uh, weird that we're both kind of fixated with cats today. I don't think it's weird. What's wrong with that? Anyway, How to Cat Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with technical direction from Lorna White. Our cat turn this week is Miles Dorncat. Get us your catschins at howtocat.org. Or visit our webcat at howtodoeverycat.cat. I'm Cat. I'm Cat.